Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. Hello, everybody. Hello. Okay, so now we're, we're a little flipped. So this time I'm in New York, and Kevin is not. Kevin, where are you? I'm in Porto in uh, the Bay Area of California. I'm actually visiting my wife Sutton's family. And we, her uh, aunt and uncle, live uh, in just south of San Francisco um, in this beautiful, beautiful area. And uh, we went to Santa Cruz yesterday, the boardwalk and all of that, and went shopping. And I found, oh my gosh, Rob, I found the most amazing record store yesterday. Oh no. Oh, I know no. that I'm supposed to tell you about all about my like, visiting family, but really all I want to tell you about is the finds that I had. Because what I like, I don't know about you, but when I go to a, a town, especially like on the other side of the country or something, you know, whether it be LA, when I was on tour, I went to Amoeba Records, you know, the famous record store. Uh, so I found this place in Santa Cruz called Streetlight Records, which is an old, old record store, huge shop. And of course, when you're like Rob and I, those great listeners, and you love records like we do, <laughs> you are, you will look for the Broadway cast recordings. But they're usually dedicated to like, well, for Streetlight Records in Santa Cruz, it was the back Far, far back, underneath everything, <laughs> you had to literally sit on the floor and page through everything. However, I found some really fun stuff. I found a Martin Charnin <laughs> recording from 1981 or 82 of of his of a cabaret at the Upstairs Downstairs Club with a young B.B. Newworth in the cast. That was that, pretty That's random. where that, that, that Mr. Carp song comes from. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and with and I found a bunch of really rare, uh, rare but like not. I try. I tend to only buy the stuff that's only on LP. You can't get it anywhere else. Uh, I found this other this musical that uh, I'm sorry, an opera that Sheldon Harnick wrote with Jack. Beeson, I think his name is, and he's the one that did the Lizzie Borden opera. And it was this opera they did in Kansas City uh, in, in um, decades ago. And I found this two-album set of that. So I, that was pretty cool. Um, anyway, I just, I, Rob, I thought of you the whole time. I, it, was, it was a fun day. I, I want to go. Why can't I go to see to the, the record store? That's okay. Kevin, I have to ask you a question. All right. Are you ready, Kevin? Yeah. Okay, so I'm ready, Bob. anytime I ask Kevin, I'm like, so what are you doing this weekend? You're usually like, oh, we're going to go see this person or uh, this person's in town. How many relatives do you have, Kevin? Because <laughs> I, I think because every time I ask you what you're doing, you're always like you're away, like you're antiquing on a boat in Alaska and then like you're in Texas. You're all over the place. So I have I just need to ask you, no. do you just not want to hang out with me? And you've created all these Stop imaginary it. people. You, you're <laughs> No, all I want to do is hang out with you. You, you no, I, I don't really. I have think that I, I think I think last week your mother came to visit you three times in order no, not to mother, see me. <laughs> I swear I don't use it as an excuse. And my mother's listening, and she's like, "I wasn't there last weekend." <laughs> well, and this is Thomas. He told he's she lying to me. <laughs> she's coming in two weeks. 
too. So I should forewarn you and all my listeners, my mother is going to come visit. <laughs> we're going to go see a Broadway show. We got to get tickets. I think we're going to, I think I might try to go see Once in the Silent. Oh, but no, so beautiful. Rob, I just, we, because of work and everything, I only have certain days off. And so, you know, a lot of times we'll try to do <laughs> stuff on those days off. So, and then I knew that I had this week of going to visit Sutton's family in California. So it's, uh, how many relatives does she <laughs> no, have? Actually, I just don't. I think you're lying to me. We're just really dedicated to hanging out. (laughs) I think you're. I think you're in Queens, hiding underneath your bed. But I was starting to wonder, like, how many relatives does he have? Just uh, well, it's just been a fan. It's a family kind of year. I guess I I get that. um, But you know, I think well, we've been planning for a while. You and I and Sutton. Um, to go to go thrifting to look for records. So yes. we, we've got to do that sometimes. Fall yes. indeed, because uh, you know I love a good record hunt just like you do. So me, me too. Um, <laughs> me too. I can't wait. To, I can't wait to have you. Listeners, come back. listeners, what are some? What are? Do you have any rare? Any uh, listeners who collect albums? Do you have any rare albums that like we talk about Angel all the time? Not all the time, but we used to. Mm. Um, you know, do you have any record? that are the holy grails that you've found what are some great records that you have found over the years listeners i love hearing about that kind of stuff i really do nerd alert me too and then if you can send us the record that would be great as well (laughs) why can't why can't we get selfish of course why why can't we get free shit kevin why can't we get free shit exactly hey compliment for you speaking of oh what oh I was going to say, hey, uh, Kevin did an amazing job this Sunday uh, as our music director for the working concert. Oh, thank you, Robert. You did an incredible job producing and directing it and assembling such an amazing team. It was, it was a, I had, we had two shows every night. It was a fantastic evening. It felt like a rock concert. It was such a high. Everyone did such amazing work. It really was thrilling and exciting. And, you know, you do these concerts and, you know, you never know what you're going to get material wise or the people that are involved. But this is just one of those concerts that everyone just brought their A game. And, and it was great material. And to have yeah. in that second uh, concert, Mickey Grant in the audience and to hear her songs and her incredible score uh, songs. I just, it was such an honor. It was such an honor, Rob. So thank you for, you know, asking me to do it. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you for doing it. Now we have to do it again. Um, I think right. videos are now starting to pop up like on YouTube and on Facebook. Um, if you get a chance, just, I know we had a lot of highlights, but if you can watch Mary Callanan sing, it's an art. It oh was, my gosh. That it's was on a, there. That was a tour de force. That was a tour de force from start. to Oh, finish. I didn't know it was on there already. She, she, she killed it. I mean, she, she had the audience eating out of the palm of her hand. She's great. Carolee Carmelo, Mark Kudish, Javier Munoz. It was just, it was a, it was a blast. But and Kevin, Harada. And yeah, Harada. it was great. Yeah. Jay Armstrong Johnson. It was great. It was just wonderful. And everyone, I think everyone really loved what they were singing as well. Yeah. They really invested in their own songs. They really well, cared. That material is so good. It really is. And I love this notion, you know, SpongeBob did it with, with all these different composers and, and then, you know, you know, working if those of you don't know, working is a musical based on Studs Terkel's, uh, a nonfiction book working about, you know, the professions that people have for a living, what they do, everything from a housewife to a cleaning lady to a, you know, uh, a CEO. A, the, 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 yeah, a CEO, a delivery boy, all, all kinds of things, uh, jobs that we do. But Stephen Schwartz assembled it, but he had all these songwriting teams and songwriters contribute Everyone from James Taylor to Mickey Grant to um, to Craig Carnelia to Stephen Schwartz himself, um, and it, and Lin Manuel who wrote two additional songs for for the, an updated version of it. Um, but 
much like SpongeBob, you really got some of the best work out of these these artists. And because Stephen Schwartz was the one who was sort of organizing it all, it really does feel cohesive. It does yes. feel like an all one piece, even though you've got different, you know, James Taylor's a lot different than Lynn Manuel, but it still feels like it feels right. You know, it, it's I love it. And I, I've walked away from the weekend realizing uh, that working really is a much more special piece than I remember it being. I, I'm so I'm so happy. And I'm hoping that, you know, there's always been rumors that it might be an encore at some point. Um, you know, there was a revival a few years ago off Broadway. I'm hoping it'll it'll come back at some point. And when you were yeah. listing the, you know, the list of songwriters, one one forgot to mention who almost made it but did not make it. Um, that's Billy Joel. Now that when you told me that story, I, I thought that was pretty fun, Rob. So, tell tell that what you heard. So yeah. I finally asked Stephen. Uh, I was like, "Is that is that true?" You did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Is that true?" And he was like, "Oh, absolutely." Um, so apparently, what happened was uh, he was asking all these eclectic songwriters, and he asked Billy Joel to write a song. And by the time Billy Joel had finished the song, uh, Stephen Schwartz was like, "Hey, I'm so sorry. We're getting into rehearsal. Um, we can, we can't use the song anymore." And so. <laughs> But Stephen said, in hindsight, he probably should have cut one of his own and put Billy Joel's song in there. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have had a Billy Joel working song. I'd love to hear what it is. I, I wonder if we Boy. can get a, get a listen you to know, it at some point. Billy Joel fascinates me because he he's a musician that uh, you know he's a singer. Obviously, we know him as a singer songwriter. Obviously, but you know he started out as a classical pianist, and he appreciates mm. music the way a, a real musician artist does. And even just recently, I read an interview where he, you know because the just had something like the 100 performances at Madison Square Garden or something. So there's a lot of press about him in the last month, uh, interviews, and his PR was out there. Well, in the interview, they said, well, would you like to collaborate with anybody? And he says, you know, I've tried. I've tried to collaborate with people. I had a couple other great artists come over to my house in Oyster Bay. It didn't work out. He's like, the only two people I really would consider is, you know, someone like Stephen Sondheim or Tim Bryce. And I just love oh. that that of all the pop world and all the musicians in the world, that Billy Joel's standard is, is Tim Rice and Stephen Sondheim. You know what? Not bad, Billy. Not bad. Good, good standards, Billy. For good collaborators. Standards. For collaborators. Yeah, good exactly. standards. But I, I, I appreciate that a rock and roll musician really, you know, is a, is a smart enough musician to appreciate the other arts as well. And I, I really – and I think it's reflective in his, his songs. His songs are total storytelling songs. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's really, really marvelous. And, uh, wow. I, I loved moving out and I love all of Billy Joel. I got to see yeah. him at Madison square garden and it was incredible. Um, you did see him in Madison square. Garden. I, did, I did. Yeah. It was really amazing. He was one of the best people in concert I've ever seen. Cause he gives the audience the option. He'll be like, Hey, I'm either going to sing piano man or uptown girl. Which one do you want to hear? And then they shouted to him. He goes, okay, here we go. <laughs> so I think that's really cool. Yeah. Um, And also speaking of really cool, I think it's time to jump into our favorite things, Kevin. Kevin, did I lose you? Kevin? Kevin, I can't hear you anymore. (laughs) Kevin? Listeners? Uh Oh, 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 listeners? Can you hear me now? Yes, I I can hear you now. Where did you go? I just, I'm sitting on a bouncy ball in the basement, but. (laughs) Kevin, I literally hear ice clinking in a glass. Can I listeners? Can you hear that? Is that? Not my, can you hear the ice clinking no, in the glass? Kevin, the funny thing, Rob, is that I'm not touching a glass, and I don't have any ice anywhere near me. So then, where am I picking up the clinking from? <clears throat> I don't. I think I have a poor connection. Okay, Why but not? if you can hear me now. Oh yes, now, now you're very loud. <laughs> now you're yelling. Okay, stop yelling at me. <laughs> um, I'd like to talk about my favorite thing, though, if I may. Yes. Yes, I, please. Thank you. So. 
We had talked a little about it this weekend, um, and this is this is full disclosure. Um, the person that we're going to be talking about is a friend of ours, um, yet has has no idea that we're doing this. So um, it's it's in full disclosure. We're not we're not be, we're not shilling or anything like that. Um, right. Our good friend Robbie Rizal, who was kind enough to do our 100th episode with us, he did our um, he interviewed Kevin and I. The tables right. were turned. Um, Robbie uh, co-produced a record, and the record is called Jessica Vosk. Wild and free. Jessica is currently playing Alphaba on Broadway and Wicked. She was doing it on the road for a little bit. Um, Robbie's the co-producer on this with a guy named Michael Kreuter. Um, or Michael Kreuter and him both produced it. Um, and Jessica Vosk and Mary Mitchell Campbell are the co-producers on this album. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Robbie's been talking about this album for quite some time. And I hadn't heard any of it. He just kept saying, oh, it's really good. It's amazing. It's good. Right. Um, and so finally, I got a copy of it. And I'm like, well, let's see how good this is. And it's fantastic. Um, I'm not saying this because he's a friend. It's one of the best produced solo albums uh, to come out of the Broadway community in a really, really long time. And thank God, I think other people are starting to fond on to that because it's now at, I believe, number 14 or so on the iTunes charts. Just it's amazing. popular music alone. Um, Jessica Vosk's voice is just incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I usually have an issue when uh, a Broadway performer does a solo album and they sing things that are other than musical theater because, to me, the mixing is always a little odd. The voice is always a little odd. It never really showcases perfectly. Jessica Vosk is so versatile. Her voice is so versatile. It can do absolutely anything. Um, she does. It starts off with A Million Dreams from The Greatest Showman. It's the best rendition of the song I've ever heard. They should have done that in the actual movie. It's uh, incredible. It's yeah. incredible. It's jaw-droppingly amazing. It yeah. is so incredible. I can't believe they reinvented – not reinvented, but – reorchestrate and, and, and arrange that song to, to lift it up even more. It's already good in the movie, but it's oh, just but this is it's amazing. incredible on this she, album. She does that. She then does the music that makes me dance. She sounds gorgeous in Golden Age. The one, And then the track after the music that makes me dance is my favorite track. It's Nobody's Side from Chess, which I think oh she my just... Gosh, I, listen, I'm gonna, I think she does it brilliantly. She does Chandelier. She does Hold On from The Secret Garden. She does a mashup of Help and Being Alive. She does the Billy Joel's The Entertainer. I mean... The album is so versatile, and the worry is on something like this is, is can the performer really showcase themselves in so much versatility? The answer is yes, and I think that's what makes this album so exciting. Um, I don't know what the theme is, um, if there is a theme. I don't know if the intention was to put a theme behind it. The, the only theme I can come up with is her voice is freaking brilliant. Um, so if you've not bought Jessica Vosk's Wild and Free album, I would encourage you to do so. It's my favorite thing this week. She's an absolute genius. I have a feeling that this is going to launch her um, into the forefront of a lot of producers' minds and hopefully a lot of casting directors' minds. Uh, and the album just puts a smile on your face. You know, we, we were talking about this a yeah. while ago. Some of the older albums that we like, I mean, you know, we were joking about this last week, but, you know, those the the, the Broadway, what do you call it, in the, in the back of Show Music Magazine with, like, the, yeah. ni the 90 albums that we used to, you know, we used to joke around about. Those were, to me, there was always, like, one or two good songs on the album, and then you would throw the rest of the album away. You know, yes. except if it was Debbie Gravitt's album, then you hold on to that for dear life. Um, <laughs> you just cuddle it. You just, you just cuddle, cuddle it at night. There's nothing. There's yeah. no fat on that. J Jessica's Vosk, there's no throwaway track. There is no throwaway track. So, um, And a, a shout out to Mary Mitchell Campbell for those arrangements, because I must say, those songs, Rob, 
I love, I mean, I'm with you. Her voice, Jessica's voice is like sick. I mean, it's, it's just, it's so versatile. It can do anything. I, I remember side note, we were in the ensemble of a reading together and she was like, you know, when you're in an ensemble, you're singing all over the place. She could sing anything like in the ensemble. She was like, hi, low, whatever, just do it. Just take whatever parts you want. I mean, she was like, she was yeah, a force and- of nature, but th- those arrangements though, I just love that Mary Mitchell took these arrangements and honored the original but also updated them, made them, you know, made them really exciting and, and, and yet still gave us what we are used to hearing with nobody's side, but it just pops, you know, and, and that's all Mary Michelle Campbell as well, yeah. as, lo- as well as Jessica's singing, you know? Yeah, I know. I agree with you. And actually going back to a point that you just made about Jessica, which is the idea that when you had the reading with her, that her voice could do anything. There are a lot of performers, to be honest with you, whose voice can do anything and they can riff for days and they can flip and they can do this and they can do that. She does it, but she does it with so much acting intention behind it and so much specificity behind it that it takes it to another plane. Lots of people can stand there and riff and belt their face off. So can she, but they can't do it as well in terms of the acting as she brings to the table on it. She's she's just it's a really marvelous album. Um, I'm actually I think I'm gonna go actually and see Wicked so I can see her in this to see what she does in a book show because if what she's doing in a book show is like one tenth of the brilliance of what's on this album, I'll be a happy man. So my favorite thing this week, and I cannot stop listening to it. And hey, it's an album made you know after 1995, and I'm listening to it. Oh my god. Stop the press. I was like, Chandelier? Is that a cut song from Phantom? Um, I love that musical. <laughs> I love that one. Um, it's really great. So we encourage you, um, oh, you know, wonderful. one, you can buy it at Broadway Records, but you can also listen to it on Apple Music and Spotify. So congratulations to our good friend Robbie Rizell for creating something that is really, really special and is, I think, going to be around for quite a long time. Indeed. Yeah. Well, good favorite thing, Rob. Um, so my favorite thing is also an album that will put a smile on your face, much like Jessica's. Um, I this is um, the show is from the late '60s. It was it sort of revolutionized the sound of Broadway, and that used to be that you know all the instruments you just you played music and if things picked it up it picked it up but this this composer wanted he came from the studio world and he wanted to be able to control the sound of all the different instruments in the orchestra pit and so he brought a new mixing board and was able to do that and produce a whole new broadway sound for the audience um what show is this rob this i was trying to guess i was trying to guess this is promises promises you are exactly right. Of course you know this. We talk about this a lot. This so this I I find this score to be completely infectious. Great. To be Which silly song would fun. you like me to sing for you? Exactly, exactly. I I mean just pick one. I mean all of the even the stupid ones, <laughs> even like the the songs that could be skip songs, like how do you, you if you're a romantic a girl, girl if, if she's you're a girl. girl I mean it's a song about adultery and yet you're tapping your toe and you're like da 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 and you just want to shake your hips and have all a good we need time. is one place. <laughs> All right. So for those of you who have absolutely no idea what we've been talking about for the last three minutes, Promises, Promises is a musical that premiered in uh, in New York December 1st, 1968, started performances. It ran, get ready, for 1,200 performances over that. It ran all the way to 1972, over four years. Um, It was a big old smash hit. Had a book by Neil Simon. Music and lyrics, Burt Bacharach and Hal David. It was based on a hit film by Alex Wilder, Alec Wilder, called The Apartment, of course, which is a very well-known short. It's it's is it it's very of its time. 
It's very 60s. The plot, I remember when they revived it, they only really revived it because of Mad Men, I feel like. You know, everyone could relate to that world. So they thought, all right, we'll get away with this. But it's very dated and it's very sexist. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's hard to appreciate it, the plot today, even though I'm sure those things still exist. But what I want to talk about is the album and the music and how wonderful it is. Um it, Rob, you mentioned that you love the sound of, <laughs> of this show as well. Um, uh, where Christmas to start? Christmas Day is here, and so are we. I mean, thank you. I'll be here all week. It, it, if any, if just to start things off, if you have absolutely no idea what this show is, I want you to go onto YouTube. And I want you to type in two words that you probably have never typed in succession in your entire life. I want you to type the words turkey, lurky. It rhymes. And I want you to watch that original <laughs> production number. Michael Bennett did the choreography with the help of Bob Avian, of, of course, of a chorus line fame, both of those guys. Um, and this is before that. This is when Michael Bennett was still starting out. And he hadn't really he, – he made a little splash on, on the business. But this was going to really make a big splash. They tried to make that number into something – you know, just something that would pop more. And if you watch this Turkey Lurkey, it is one of the most thrilling production numbers that you've ever seen. By the end of this number, you don't know how Donna Murphy, uh, Donna McKechnie is doing the, 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 what is that head move that she's doing, Rob? I don't even know how to describe it. She's flipping her head back and forth. And as only you do in the sixties, um, <laughs> twirling your arms around. And by the end of the number, every single person is flipping their arms and their heads back and forth and feeling this Turkey Lurkey song. It's the wackiest, weirdest, wildest, funkiest but yet strangely addictive production number you've ever seen and that is exactly how i can call the entire album it's wacky wild strangely addictive but a lot of fun um Burt Bacharach definitely, I think he doesn't get enough credit for how he changed the sound of Broadway. Uh, and I talked about at the beginning of this, the mixing board and all of that. He, he also was frustrated by Broadway and he was frustrated that every single night the orchestra would play the sound, the music a little differently. It wasn't a studio recording that was the same way every single time. And that's, of course, what he expected. But in, in, in the live theater, things change. Things evolve. Tempo might be a little fast one night, might be a little slow one night. Um, and Bacharach did not enjoy that part of it. He did try to micromanage things a little bit with the sound, which hence the soundboard. He also was the first to put pit singers in the pit. I can't remember if I said that. Um, so you have a lot of songs where you have these oohs and ahs going on. Um, and it's just people in the pit singing as part of the orchestration. That was something very new. This cast recording that was made. So uh, just a little, I know most of our listeners, you guys know this already, but cast recordings back in the day, they were made very, very quickly. You know, a show opened. They went to the studio that Monday. Usually it was done in a day. They whipped out that thing. They mixed it in two days, maybe three days, because the, they wanted to get the album out as fast as possible to make some money. Well, a lot of times what happened was that when you were mixing so quickly, you had to make some compromises a little bit. Sometimes if you go back and listen to the old albums, there's little pitches, little, little off, and like some of the things aren't mixed that well, and it's just, it's just a little amiss a little bit. You still get the sense of the whole show, but it's just a little messy a little bit. Well, Bruce Kimmel, of now Kritzerland record, um, the company, um, he went about, oh gosh, Rob, was it like seven or eight years ago? Um, he took the original tapes. I think longer than that. 
I think it was longer than that. Um, it's funny how time just flies in the last decade. Um, but he took the original master tapes and he remixed them. And he he and his team fixed some of the pitch issues, fixed some of the, the levels and such, so that um, he released a two-disc album of, of, of Promises Promises uh, with the original mix from 1968 and then their remastered mix. So that in the remaster, you hear melodic lines, you hear orchestration stuff that you never heard before. Jerry Orbach, who was starred in it, um, he sounds like he's on pitch now. It's a wonderful. It's really, it's really exciting that they could, they did the same thing with the musical Sugar as well. They released that with oh, yes. an updated remix of it. Um, and so as a fan of the show, like Rob and I, you can listen to it and hear things that you had never even heard before in the orchestration. Um, so yeah, my, my favorite thing this week is the musical Promises, Promises that um, from the 60s, 1968, that just really has a contagious, silly, wacky score that, was, that won the Grammy that year for Best Musical Theater Album. So I think that's pretty cool as well. But um, I, I, you got If you never listened to it, please do not listen to the the revival. Is wonderful. Christian Chenoweth, we love her. We Sean Hayes, wonderful. Kate, I mean Katie Finneran, of course. But that original, it's fantastic. It is. It is not enough is said about it and how it sort of. I mean, if Jonathan Tunick, that was one of his first gigs as an orchestrator, and I, I firmly believe that if he never did Promises, Promises, he never would have done Company because he tested out new ideas with Promises, Promises that was then used two years later in Company. So we got a lot to thank for for Promises, Promises, other than just the happiness that it brings us with the music. Promises, Promises, I'm all through with Promises, Promises, Promises. Now. That's it. You got it. Thank you. And, oh, and incidentally, it's one of the. I feel like Rob, other than. You know, Judy Collins singing "Sending the Clowns" in the '70s. Our pop artists, uh, since from Hair on, really didn't sing any pop tunes from the Broadway musicals. But "Promises, Promises" score, uh, Dionne Warwick was like at the top of the charts with like all of those songs. I mean, she had a whole I'll album of of the "Promises, fall Promises" in love songs. Again. Yes, and so and so it was one of the last shows that churned out chart-topping hits. If you really think about it, um, we just, the seventies and eighties really didn't have much. I mean, you know, there were the couple, one or two crossovers, but it was not like promises, promises ended. It. Yeah, I'm tr- actually, that's a really good point. I'm trying to think, like in the seventies, what, what, like sending the clowns made that it. was sort of like a random crossover, and even like Ooh. Frank Sinatra sang it, but like a real pop artist like Dionne Warwick, yeah. or, you know, that you know, because back, you know, back in the day, of course, all the songs were pop hits were from musicals, but I, I just think it's one of the last shows that had that crossover appeal. Yeah, there were so many in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Actually, but I'm just trying to think for a second. Like, what else? The Send in the Clowns from Little Night Music, what I did for love from a chorus line. I think there was probably was Angela Weber pop songs, maybe. Like, uh, I don't know how to love him. Oh, that was yeah. a, sort of a, a pop tune that went out there. But um, but to have so many from Promises, yeah. Promises Yeah, you're well. absolutely right. Promises, was... Promises, the title song was a hit song as well, you know. And now in the revival, they they it wasn't in the original, but they put in Dionne Warwick's I'll say I'll say a little pray for you. That's right. They added a couple songs to just to flesh the the you know flesh out the plot a little bit, um, you know, and to give I think Fran the char- the female character the, the Jill O'Hara character just a little bit more depth I think the because Christian with yeah yeah uh, sorry the Jill O'Hara played it in the original uh, the Christian Channel with part um, because I think that you know it's it is a misogynistic piece a little bit um, and I think they wanted to give her a little bit more oomph I think. I also think they want a Christian channel with this thing more, don't you? Oh, yes. You're right. Remember, she like belted all of those, stu- all those songs. She did. Yeah. She did. That, I remember that. I say a little prayer. It was intense. 
<laughs> in a good way. Not no 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 in a good way. No, 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 just like she was like she was on top of like she was in a restaurant. And she was like straddling a booth, like singing. I'll say a little prayer right. for you. It's like I don't know what's happening, but I love it. <laughs> but give me more. That booth slid off into the wings. I'm like no no no, bring her back. <laughs> Bring her back. We don't have to go to the Grapes of Wrath just yet. Bring her back. <laughs> Grapes of Wrath. That's the bar he goes to in um, Act Two. That's right. If you, you know, I've see- never seen. I've never seen the apartment that it's based on either. That's Billy Wilder. I I said Alex Wilder. It's Billy Wilder. What was I thinking? Billy Wilder. It's B- yeah. yeah. It's 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 Billy. Wilder. It's brilliant. You've never seen it. With Shirley I don't McClain, think I have. Jack no. It's really good. It's yeah, very, so very good. Jack Lemmon. It's yeah. All right. And well. I and ironically, um, you know how he sings "She Likes Basketball." Yeah, my not favorite song in the <gasps> world. Yes, you mean my favorite song in the world? I know we've already. I feel like we've had this discussion many times, Rob. I don't understand why you like it. I don't. It's. I. I just. I. I don't. I. It's. Ugh. Okay, listeners, you can you can help break the tie here. <laughs> is she likes basketball a horrible song, or is it the best song ever written for musical theater? Period. Okay, we'll <sighs> move on. Um, yeah, she, I, maybe, or maybe I just never really heard a good version of it. Maybe I just need Jerry Orbach to come back and sing it for me, and maybe then I'll, or or you, Rob. Maybe I just need you to do it. Don't and tell then me that, Kevin. It'll all make sense. Don't tell me that, because <laughs> off I go. But in the apartment, um, instead of basketball, it's musical theater. She likes she. They like going to musicals together. Now and I so, wish. Now so, why did that not keep stay in? I think I, it, I think it was because people were going to go. It's a little too self-referential. No, that's a little on like, the nose. Like oh, yeah, yeah we're in the, we're in a musical, and that's yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. it. I of can't. Course. Someone's going to yell this out to to us. Um, there is somebody who, oh shoot, there. Um, oh shoot, what was I going to say? There's somebody who's going to tell me what show. It's like a specific show. There's a specific show he she stands him up for. Um, and I cannot remember what it is. I'm sure people are yelling at me right now being like, it's this show. Anyway, The Apartment is great. Have you seen Some Like It Hot? The, 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 oh, gosh. That's one of Sutton's favorite movies of all time. I love Some Like It Hot. Yeah, uh, That movie's just genius. Um, oh, and, oh yeah. and then speaking of Jill O'Hara really quickly, uh, who's in our Promises Promises, you know, she's going to come and do my ballroom for me. I am so excited about Maybe that, Maybe we Rob. should You've get her got, on the show. Tell the listeners some of the people that you have, because I can't remember them all, but you have. I mean, are you allowed to talk about them yet? Can you oh, my gosh. Yeah, everything is up and posted, because we just also announced Ain't Misbehaving today um so Mm. i'll do i'll do a quick little rundown if i may yes please rob so for ballroom oh my god it's it's um i I can't get over it for ballroom which if you remember is the 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 bergman billy goldenberg and billy was on our show last week um it's got uh oh my god penny fuller um jill o'hara uh diane findley uh uh, uh, clea blackhurst natalie douglas uh leroy reams jim brochu jim walton uh, Steve Shocklin, uh, and then uh, uh, Marilyn May, <laughs> Marilyn Whoa! May, and uh, Carol Lawrence, the original Maria from West Side Story. Oh, and previous guest. Oh, and previous guest. Wonderful. That's fantastic. So I, that, yeah, that's wow. that's September fourth. So I encourage everyone, please, please come out. I hope I didn't forget anybody, but please come out. It's going to be great because the interesting thing about ballroom, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point. And I'm, I, you know, and I think it was mentioned on Billy's show, uh, episode as well. You know, just two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, which is that so many great songs from that show were cut, so Michael Bennett could throw more dancing in there. So right. what the show really became about was really watching ballroom dancing. And then in the periphery was the story of this this woman going through uh, a change in her life. Uh, and we're putting a lot of those cut songs back in. Okay. Well, and listeners, please go back if you really want to really get the inside scoop of Michael Bennett oh, and yeah. ballroom. And not only – I mean – it, it 
it really he talked a lot about ballroom, but we really he he showed us a different side of Bennett that we don't often get to hear about. Not not good or bad, just just fact uh, or his fact. And so it's a really interesting interview, and I, I think you guys should listen to it if, if you uh, if you have an interest in, in I, what we're talking about. I, I think uh, yeah. No, no, no. I I I believe me. I think so as well. Um, yeah. So that's so I, it'll be interesting for people to hear. Oh. Cut cut material. Oh, and Neva, I'm sorry. Indeed. One of our former guests as well just signed on. Neva Small, who was in oh, the original wonderful. Uh, the Kala, yeah, Kala. Kala, Kala. And then, and, uh, when is that, Rob? Again, that is, is September fourth at seven o'clock. And then um, on Saturday, September 9th, at seven o'clock and nine thirty. I'm really excited about this. It's the fortieth anniversary concert of Ain't Misbehaving. Wow. With um, Richard Maltby Jr., a former guest who <laughs> I think got his own spinoff from guests. from us. Um, <laughs> Is directing it. He like he directed the original forty years ago and co-conceived with Maury Horowitz forty years ago. Mm. Um, mm. And he is directing it. And three of the original five cast members are coming back. That is uh, Ken Page, former guest, Andre DeShields, former guest, uh, and Charlene Woodard, who is brilliant on FX's Pose. If you've not watched Pose yet, oh, she is wow. on that and is genius. So um, there's and unfortunately, you know, Nell Carter passed away, and Armelia yeah. McQueen is um, in California, so she can't come and join us for this but three of the five originals are going to be there Frenchie Davis um, who did it on tour from American Idol she's going to be there we're using a lot of people from the Crossroads Theater Company production that Andre directed a few years ago so it's going to be really really exciting but to why I I know what they're doing because we just confirmed what they're doing today I cannot wait to see them recreate some of their numbers Um, gosh it's going to be very exciting so I encourage you to buy tickets and then of course September 11th is Golden Rainbow you got a busy first week and a half in September. Yeah, Rob. September's going to be a little packed, but I like it. Wow, I like being golden busy. rainbow. Yes, with uh, with our other previous guest, uh, Debbie. Uh, Debbie Gravit. Although we spelled right. her name on the poster wrong, and it's Dabby oh. Gravit. D a b b i e. And so, luckily, the people at Fifty Four did. <laughs> they, they did a mock up of the poster with her dabbing, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody dabbing with Debbie's head photoshopped. It's good for the millennials. It's good the older for the millennials. people have no idea what's going on, They're but like, the millennials my, will get a like, good laugh. What, like, what kind of weird Agnes de Milcorio is, is, is Debbie doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Rob. With Dabby. Um, so anyway, that's it. It sounds like there's a lot of exciting stuff. And then are, are you working on anything now besides Legally Blonde? Uh, I got Legally Blonde, and I, I don't think anything else. I can't remember. I'm on, I'm on vacation mode right now. So it's oh, hard I'm sorry. To no, no. It's just hard to – the last three weeks were so crazy. I don't think so. I think a couple little concerts here and there. I've got a big benefit coming up in, for Abington Theater in the fall. But but, but you can't announce it. the show, right? I don't think yet. I think we're still waiting a little bit. But I'll be talking about that pretty soon. I know what it is, and I'm excited. <laughs> it's going to be a fun evening. Yeah, I think it's well, going to be awesome. Cool. Well, then, um, this was <laughs> – I was going to sign off like a phone call. Like, all right, cool, Kevin. Talk to you all later. Right. See you later, Rob. Talk to you soon. <laughs> See you Listeners, soon. thank you for joining us every week. We really do appreciate it. We do indeed. All right. Till next time. Bye, everybody. How do I turn this off? I don't know how to turn this off. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.